Welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that will not recap Disney on Ice for You, despite two thirds of the hosts having been recently. My name is Frank. Scott. I'm Paul. Still, still remembering my Sesame Street on Ice trip, which Ooh. was about 35 years ago, but I do okay. remember Cookie Monster being totally awesome. I feel like I went to a Sesame Street live thing, but it wasn't on ice. But I, I don't have a strong memory of it. But I do have a strong memory of Disney on Ice, which we won't share here. Um, Patreons and, you know, members who listen to the pre-show, of course, got Scott and I's review. Um, but uh, we should, uh, we should, you know what? The, the, I'm just seeing Scott's note, and why don't we start there, Scott? That's a great idea. Today's <laughs> podcast is going to be about the Bills year in review, because this is a Buffalo Bills podcast. And we will discuss uh, some of our Bills future talk, but let's talk about briefly at least the super bowl uh the new england patriots won it the other team lost it at the Rams. was it the rams it was the rams right it was it like was, it was the rams i, I mean it, they they dressed as the rams right because if i remember <laughs> like they didn't play at all like the rams but they dressed like the rams um i believe it was like 13 to 3 is that right am i 6 13 6 oh right the other field goal no um, did they miss that field goal no but they got one at the end did they yeah, I think they got one with like. Yeah, the Patriots missed a field goal. No, oh. but I I remember Scott and I were Frank had wisely abandoned the game at this point to to return home, but I think it was like thirteen to three, and the Rams got into field goal position. This is very easily verifiable on a fact check. <laughs> I'm it not thirteen to three. Did they put the score of the Super Bowl online? Is that yes. something that's there? It is. There it is. It was 13 to three. Cause remember they missed the field goal. Cause their goal is to make that field goal to get within mm -hmm. seven, then get the onside kick, then throw a bomb, but they missed it. So it was, okay. it was uh moot or is uh, my friend Justin the Super Bowl. That's <laughs> drastic. Yeah. And they should have done that at the beginning of the game, given the way they played. Um, no, it was a, it was a, Look, by all I remember, it was like Trey Wingo or somebody. Like I heard a clip of him like defending the Super Bowl as well played, and we were all plebes who didn't get it because we just didn't appreciate a defensive Super Bowl. No, it was fucking hot garbage. That was a terrible Super Bowl, top to bottom, and it it was not fun. And now, of course, also like the Patriots winning doesn't help. It's yeah. if the Rams had won that game, it would have at the by the same score. I would have felt better about it the next day, right? But I wouldn't have enjoyed watching it. I just no. would have been on edge the whole time, being like, "Oh, it's just about like it doesn't matter what their score is if it's it, if the Rams have a six point lead, that's essentially meaning this until there's one minute left on the clock or thirty right. seconds, whatever." Because I would have just been terrified the whole time. Yeah, uh, I hated every minute of it. I mean, I very much enjoyed the company. Which was good to see you yeah, guys. It was nice to, to yep. see everybody and, and, and the, the kids running around. Uh, the commercials were also not particularly entertaining, I thought. There were a couple no. of episodes. I suppose this is something about our modern lives now that I can't really remember any of the commercials from the Super Bowl. No, I, I, I just remember the, the Bud Light Game of Thrones crossover one. Simply because I do remember those, commercial, those, but... terrible, those terrible commercials that were trying to sell us mass market beer with things that people who buy mass market mirror don't really care about. Uh, corn syrup. Yes. Yes. Corn syrup, syrup, wind yeah. power. Uh -huh. this, this beer was made sustainably with wind power. Thanks bud. Like, yeah, that was one. And then there was another one. It's like genetically modified ingredients too. And it was like, okay. or no, it was uh, it was Bud Light putting the labels 
on the on the beer. It's like I, don't need the the labels, guys. I remember yeah. the Avengers and the Captain Marvel um sure thing because I definitely took a time out from watching the game to help some friends <laughs> on Twitter yes. understand who Captain Marvel was. That was probably the most entertaining I had with the television. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, I mean, the kids are playing well, and I, I you know what, I, I'm just going to give uh, your child a, uh, a one of the three stars uh, for being an excellent <laughs> child host. And, uh, you know, my daughter very much enjoyed herself, and, and uh, your daughter and your son were excellent. So I was really impressed with uh, the, they, the children. They, they escaped the punishment wheel that night. <laughs> it's pretty random it's pretty much every night they get something but that night they, don't, they didn't get anything no, just to be clear folks there is no punishment wheel don't call child services uh, alright um, I mean look I mean yeah there was just, it was such a blase game you know I it was you know, when we if the Super Bowl is exciting, we usually try and make it fun. All right, let's podcast, you know, the next week or the week after. But when it's no. a game like like this, I respect the Patriots ability to scheme. They seem to operate much more yeah. on a, you know, that they're not a systems based team. They're a scheme based team. They like look at what their opponent's going to do every week. And then they say, OK, what can we do to have that opponent beat themselves to play with their left hand. And they, they did that well, which they have done well for about 18 years now, 19 years. So it was, you know, hats off to them, but it was even they, they didn't play great. Brady threw an interception on his first pass. There were missed field goals. There were some sloppy penalties. It was, so I, despite what Trey Wingo says, I don't buy into the narrative that like, Oh, we just don't respect defensive football. I I've enjoyed some, mm -hmm. some, you know, 12 to nine type games before this, this game was just not, not well played nor, nor entertaining. So frustrating no. to watch as a fan. Trey Wingo directly needs like to keep people excited about football in a way that we don't. So I understand that, you know, he's, he does well if the game does well. So, um, yeah, he's the man, you know, and we're not the man. We're the men. Um, I don't know. Do I have to offer platitudes to the the Patriots? Like, no. of course they're great. So, like, whatever. Like, nothing I say matters. <laughs> no. Eat at Arby's, kids. <laughs> yeah. No, they're they're they're. Um, you know, this is insert Robert Kraft joke here. There, we can just move on from now. Yeah, and just so folks know, we're not going to talk. We we made a conscious decision to not have a conversation about the Robert Kraft issue. Um, go look it up on your own. It just seems like a great way for all of us to get into trouble. So, um, human trafficking is bad. It's it's let's horrible. Begin and, <laughs> let's begin and end there. Right. We'll. You know what? How about this? And we can discuss this briefly now. If if and when there is resolution that has football consequences, we'll go there and we'll talk about it. But sure, pretty much everyone here thinks it's like gross and just not worth accidentally saying something not appropriate. Um, okay, so Super Bowl thoroughly discussed. Let us move on to the patron saint of this podcast, the Buffalo Bills, um, Our Lady of Terrible Football. Uh, they finished the season uh, with six wins. They will draft ninth. Um, they have a rookie quarterback. They have a few other things. They have um, 
really nice color scheme. And we have a lot they to can't talk. be the old red, white, and blue. No, hey, America. Um, so I, I, I emailed you guys these questions, and I and I realized for Scott's taste, they weren't as well crafted <laughs> as they could have been, as his lengthy <laughs> reply email made clear. But hopefully he muddled through my mess of English enough to cobble dear, together some thoughts. Dear sir, <laughs> please sir. reconsider this agenda. I consider it seriously illogical. Scott made our agenda much stronger, which is very true. We and, and we, you know, don't need to repeat ourselves as often as I did because I was definitely in the brainstorming agenda when I sent it along. But what I'd like to do is discuss our impressions of last year. Um, you know, where what we think of last season, and in particular, in the context of uh, where we thought they were going to end up at the beginning of the season, and compare it to you know last season in total because now we have two full. McDermott seasons under our belt, um, McBean seasons really under our belt. Um, and so it's time to start really kind of doing that would, uh, you know, Paul, why don't you get us started? Uh, however you want to start this conversation about your review of the 2018 bills. Yeah. And I think the team is, I am relatively pleased with where they are at today, which is not to say they have a winning roster today. The plan is clearly going to work perfectly and they are going to be a playoff team next year and a Super Bowl contender the season after that. One thing when I was going through the uh, This Day in Bill's headlines research for this week, I made note of a couple headlines which are not part of the trivia portion of the show, but which you know were just from 2016 that kind of jumped out at me. One was, Whaley confident Bills can solve cap issues. And another one that said, cap relief, Bills restructure Clay's contract. And uh, I'm sure that's something we'll get into later as well. But to see the mess that this team was in three years ago with, you know, approximately 40% or maybe even more allotted to four starting defensive linemen of their salary cap space with no clear cut person who was going to get, you know, at least a three to four year tryout, if you will, three to four year development opportunity, let's call it, to be the franchise quarterback. So that was part of the position that we were in. There seemed to be no really solid young players who were going to be part of the future, which is evident in the fact that so many of the young players from the, that era are no longer on the Bills roster, and many are no longer on an NFL roster as well. But now we have Trey White. We have Matt Milano, we saw them do great things this year, and you hope Matt Milano's injury toward the end of the season does not limit him going forward because he looked like he would be you know, a truly special player at linebacker. They've made good decisions at the safety position to get two excellent safeties who played well again this year. The player took a step back, but again, very reasonable contracts as well. So the the positives, the you know, when I look at it last season, six and ten. Uh, that's, you know, I, I picked five and 11. So it was what, you know, relatively was expected. We saw Josh Allen play better than I think any of us expected. So that was a positive. And they shed pretty much all of the old dead contracts that were holding them down. So all those are, are positive signs for the future. The difficult sign for the future to, to me that they're going to have to work on, even though is that they don't have a very strong roster right now, and they have to really have a great draft, and they have to do really well in free agency 
to supplement their roster because right now it is a very weak roster overall. And, you know, what can they do to rectify that? But, you know, all in all, compared to the the playoff year before, it was a necessary season to get on track for the long term. And, you know, let's hope they make the right decisions in the coming weeks and months. Scott. I mean, Paul, Paul hit on a number of, of really good points. Um, it's difficult to evaluate the season on its own. I think you do kind of have to evaluate it as part of a process and it depends on your time frame of your evaluation. As Paul said, like if you go back into the history of Bill's teams, you know, we've had six and ten teams that have had in some ways less promise uh, than this one did to a certain extent mm-hmm. that were older or didn't have the same kind of um, you know potential in front of them. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that I can confidently, uh, you know, I agree with Paul that in some ways the easy thing is to simply, you know, blow up the team. Um, right. And, and, and trade it all in to try and get your first round draft pick and spend it on the QB and then pin it all on them. In some ways, that's the easy part because pretty much anyone can take that formula and execute it. It's, it's the hard part is getting the first round QB right and then putting the rest of the TV, the rest of the team around them to, you know, to, to help him win and help the team win and get to, get to where you need to be. Right. Um, so it really depends. You know, I think last season had some good signs. I think that McDermott and Bean have done a slightly better job of drafting than Whaley did. I will also say that some of the reason that obviously a lot of those guys are in the league is because McDermott and Bean have gotten rid of them uh, or are not on the team is because they've just simply cut them. And that some of that is for performance. Some of that is just because they have this culture thing they're trying to work on, which mm-hmm. is fair, but it also is kind of like that, that has limitations too, to a certain extent. Um, so I don't want to be, it's tough to provide a verdict on the season without attaching other value to it, either as juxtaposed to the playoff year or as a perspective going forward. Um, so it is certainly, um, I, I don't want to say it's encouraging, but I'm happy that they've made some of those tough decisions that frequently teams don't make or don't get enough credit uh, or d- either don't make or they, um, or they don't do when they need to. So that, okay. that is that's something they did. That's, that's actually good to hear. Cause I have a, I think a pointed question that might tease a bit more out of you in a minute. I, for my part, took a little note taking uh, on the, on the, on the team, just some of the team numbers versus 2017 and 2018. Um, I mean, they scored 302 points in 2017 and only 269 last year, uh, which was 30th, which is amazing to think that there were two teams that scored fewer points than the bills. Got to be the uh, Cardinals. I can't imagine who else would have possibly yeah, scored no, here the Bills. I didn't. I'll look it up. But you I, do it because I, I only looked at the, the Bills team page, and I almost went and said, I wonder who the two worst teams are. Um, the points against, 359 in 2017, 374, both good for 18th. Um, so from a points, they, they gave up a few more points, but I feel like when you look at the defense in yards against, um, they actually got two more turnovers than the year before, and they gave up 
1,200 fewer yards. They went from 5,600 yards to 4,700 yards, good for second overall last year. So, I mean, it underscores how I, for me, it underscores. Um, and if you're curious, the offense was about the same yards wise, 4,800 yards versus 4,778. I mean, it was a difference of about 50 yards, but those 50 points came from, um, I mean, if you think about how they, the, they move the ball about as well yards total wise, but it, it changed more of it came in the running game than in the passing game from 2018 and 2017, which you would expect given Josh Allen and, um, <clears throat> the ineffective Nate Peterman and the other quarterback issues and the wide receiving uh, issues, not having Tyrod Taylor, who's, you know, I think we've established as a, is a, you know, as a, an above replacement level quarterback, if, if not a, if not a good one um, necessarily. Um, but to me, it sort of confirms the, the <coughs> bless you. It confirms two things for me. First of all, that like um, this defense was really good. And it got very much lost in the shuffle. And the only explanation is how is because of how terrible the offense was. Um, there were games early in the season and there were games at different times in the seasons where the, like the, this defense was getting blown out and to still end up only giving up like the second most yards in the league uh, is kind of impressive when you play the Patriots twice and you think about that Ravens game um, and some other stuff. Uh, the, the Bills offense, they, they went, fewer points per drive like it was like 1.9 versus 1.5 points per drive which neither one sounds good but the, and they also had fewer plays per drive um but they were having more time per drive on average which again just says they were running the ball more right they were they were the clock was running more uh and it wasn't really helping them that it was running more they they managed to get any offense out of the out of Josh Allen's legs but ultimately the 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 line and the receiving core and i mean ultimately like every facet of the offense the quarterback and the running backs too um and the tight end they just weren't up to snuff and that's after two years of taking pieces away um you know sammy watkins robert woods eric wood uh um incognito, uh, incognito thank you very much tyrod right. taylor um, Ronald you know, Darby, Ronald. Well, I was just, I was just thinking, sticking with the offense, but, oh, sorry. yeah, I mean, offensively they've been taking pieces away and they got away with it a bit last year. And then, you know, with a, a less productive McCoy, um, you know, it, it, it showed now, if you had managed to get 40 more points, if you had managed to score just on the 2017 level, do they go nine and seven again? Like Really, the answer is maybe. Like, there's a that's a strong maybe that that if they just managed to score, you know, 300 points instead of 270, that they'd have been, you know, in the playoff hunt longer. And you know, it's I feel like we've said this before on different. I'm sure I know I like in the Fitz years I was saying this about the defense. Like, if we could get league average defense, like we'd probably end up in the playoffs. And if you could get league average offense out of this team. Um, you know, you would be a playoff team, really. Um, and so, uh, uh, Paul identified some of the concerns on the defensive side of the ball. Some of the people, you know, Matt Milano needs to come back. It does need to get shored up. Uh, defense is variable from year to year, um, more so than offense. So, like, I wouldn't bank on repeating with the number two yards defense overall again. But, you know, at least that sort of, 
that was an issue with Rex Ryan, right? Right. Like he was supposed to be able to maintain or do something like that. And he couldn't. Yeah. He, he took Jim Schwartz's defense and just screwed it into the ground. He did. And, and they had a good defense last year at, that with a lot of turnovers and they became a very good defense in a lot of ways this year. Um, you know, so you would want that offense to sort of, it, 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 you could almost not imagine it getting worse, but you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. That is sort of my pointed question then that I was going to, I'll turn to Scott first mm -hmm. and to you. I look at this and, and my, my impression, I said, I wrote down on the whole, it is consistent with a rebuilding team. The one side of the build got better and the other side got worse in some ways, but a, you expected it and B it got worse because you were, you were sort of making room to make it better. So I feel like the bills are in a better position now at six and 10 than they were last year at nine and seven going forward. Do you agree with that statement or feeling, or do you not agree with that? Do you feel like they got, do you feel like they are, are do you feel like they are better or worse? Or do you feel like they're going to get better or worse? Like what's your optimism? I mean, I, I mean, I would say the ceiling is higher. The floor is lower. And um, it is it that is probably a good thing, but I'm not sure. Okay. I think, I think it's very difficult to say how that the the Tyrod Taylor team would have evolved if they didn't try and blow it up because you can try and fix that team too. Now I'm and and as I said before, I don't I don't know that that team I'm fairly sure that was about <coughs> the ceiling in terms of you know, the ceiling for that team was was certainly like lower than this team and it's it 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 showed in terms of like the lack of, you know, games that they blew people out. There wasn't a lot of explosive plays on offense or defense there was that was that was a fairly solid team that made it into the playoffs and if you ran that team out there 10 years in a row against you know presumably kind of the similar schedule you know one year you might get a, a good draw in the playoffs and you might make it to the afc championship game maybe or and you know you're not in the division with new england because obviously like this team is also like I don't think this team is currently postured to be New England either, just because sure. they're evil and they're they don't play football the way the rest of the team, the rest of the league does. But um, if I, I would say that that team would be able to get in the playoffs, you know, five out of ten years, and maybe one of those years they'd get through the conference championship game, and that's not terrible. Like that that team had talent on it, it had good players on it, and it may not have been super sustainable over the long term because obviously those guys would have gotten older. And so what they did was they essentially just said, let's just blow it up now and really start to try and build the core, you know, and that's kind of big, Mc, Mc, you know, Mc, McBean's philosophy is that we want a core of young guys to get us through. And then we build through the draft and then we add free agency pieces as necessary. But ideally we're just resigning new guys, um, resigning guys we already have. And I think that is a more viable long-term solution, but obviously it, it's, it's more risky because you had something that was working before. So that's my answer. <laughs> Not yeah. Was that a yes or a no? 
I said, if I, made, if I made you say feeling, one word answer, if I put you on the, do, do you feel better about the team now that as compared to a year ago? Do I feel better about the team now? Um, there's your word. All right. All right. I will, I will be more definitive and I'll say, I'll say, yes, I do feel better about the team now, which is not to say that all of the red flags that Scott just raised now, as well as the ones that we, we all raised in the first segment, you know, aren't legitimate. They all are very, very legitimate. The reason in the Whaley era, we'll just call it the Whaley era, you know, what he was always trying to seemingly do was to add to a, you know, talented playoff contending, but not great team, but he didn't ever leave himself enough money to do so to add the pieces. And he was more missed than hit with his draft picks, including QB uh, with, with the mm -hmm. EJ manual miss. So he was not a bad talent evaluator. He was, there have been a lot of good players, but you know, you look at the players that left the team, they were, who were good. There are players that they simply could no longer afford. I do not worry that that is as much going to be the case with this 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 team i doubt and and brandon beans letter to fans saying they were going to be judicious in in free agency that they're going to be you know they weren't going to just break the bank for everyone means that i expect at the end of this year matt milano will have fully recovered they can give him a fifth-year option or try to extend him trey white same deal two good young guys in the core we mm -hmm. want there to be with the team for a while. You want to see Josh Allen develop, save up some money for him in the long run. You want to see Zay Jones do the same. And so that's all about building that young core that Scott talked about and that I don't feel they ever really had in the Whaley era. The Whaley era seemed to be much more... Remember, he traded away picks to get Sammy Watkins. He was mm -hmm. more focused on the here and now than the future. And it's good to be focused on the here and now. You never know when, you know, the NFL is eventually going to shut down because the, you know, AAFL or whatever the heck it's called overtakes it. Uh, you know, the, so you, you need to want to try to win now. And they did that in the nine and seven season. But while you're doing that, you also have to be cognizant that there's probably going to be a future and you really, really want to win when that future comes. And wait, what we're experiencing now, we'd be experiencing, We'd either be experiencing this with Whaley here with him finally admitting this was not a viable thing and I had to break down the roster and then build up a new core, or we just keep restructuring contracts. We would keep having the same veteran-type team that doesn't have any superstars but has a number of good players on it, and we'd be somewhere between seven and nine and nine and seven every year, and we would all be frustrated that – you know, there was seemingly no end to mediocrity in, in sight. Even if they were good, they would never be great. And if they were, you know, they'd never be terrible, they'd still never be great. And so I feel now with a huge caveat aside that they have a lot of roster building to do, and it's not all going to be done this offseason, no matter how well they do in free agency in the draft, that I more, I do feel better so far uh, than, I, than I did a year ago at this time. Okay, there you go. Um, that's so, yeah, I'll say, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, I do too. I think that, I think that 
the on i think that you've we've all nailed it it's not a, an entirely fair question but i i think that the 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 opportunity for growth is finally here in a way that it wasn't last year right like you are now in a position where you know last year you couldn't really add talent you could keep the talent some of the talent you had but if you didn't really believe in that talent then you know you were just sort of i think the doug whaley comparison is is right like he was sort of keeping guys around that were good enough and not necessarily going to be great. And there was no reason to think they were going to be great. And he threw, he threw some bad, good money after bad with that Sammy Watkins pick, you know, like there should have been a clearer sense of maybe how EJ Manuel was. And if, you know, Brandon Bean is trading up for some freaking reason to get a wide receiver, I, it might be fair to say that this year, <clears throat> not that there's any scuttlebutt that he'll do that, but, you know, I, I think that the book is still open on Josh Allen before we're going to, you know, say he's better than EJ Emanuel uh, necessarily. Um, but, you know, I'm with I'm with you guys on this. I feel better about this team and where it is than I think um, certainly where I was at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think comparing the two teams, I feel like this is it. You're I'm I'm excited because year three gets to be the make or break year fairly right? Yep. Paul is correct. You're not going to get all the talent you want, but there needs to be a clear improvement from the team this year. Otherwise, what are we doing? And I think that that's going to be a fair question for ownership and fans to ask if they don't put together a better football team this year. One that I think, and we'll talk about it. I'll go first. Cause I, you know, being the host, I rarely do, but I'll go first. Um, I, for me, year three, there's going to be a couple of different ways to talk about what success is, um, you know, year three being a make or break team for me, I think it needs to be a nine win season again. I think they got to be on par with what they did two years ago. Um, if they win nine games and don't make the playoffs, I'm not going to feel great about it, but I, I think that what the other thing is I'll look for the metric obviously is offense. Did they get the quarterback, right? Did they put pieces around? Whatever you do, even if you screw up and get the wrong pieces, okay, if Josh Allen doesn't look better next year, then it's on you anyway. Whether it's because you didn't surround him with the right talent or because you picked the wrong quarterback or both, this is it now. You've had your time, and he needs to look better, and the offense needs to look better. And if you have a team that was able, you know, was able to cobble together six wins with one of the worst offenses in the league, um, then you need to do better than that. You need to have, you know, league average offense. I think even if, even if the defense takes a step back and is like a top 10 or 12th best defense, the offense needs to step forward. And for me, the wins have got to go up and I think you need a winning season. I think that eight wins is going to start to feel like Dick Geron and, you know, not that he ever got to eight wins, but it's going to start feeling like too much more of the same. Um, do you, uh, how, yeah, Scott, why don't you go first? And, and I think, response. I what, think your, what is your metric for what's better and wh how do you want to assess it? And what do you want to say to anything I said? So I think the one thing that I would want is I would want to know what the plan is for the team. And I would want to see that progress being executed towards that plan. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of like, 
I don't think that they're going to do this, but I, I could see them saying like, there weren't that many great free agents out there. And so we're mostly going to build through the draft this year. And if they spent, um, you know, a first round pick on a wide receiver and a second round pick on a guard and a third round pick on a, you know, on a tackle and the team ends up six and 10 again, I'm not sure that I'm going to throw the, throw the towel in because that would be kind of, it's kind of a lot to expect the offense to get that much better with a lot more new people in it. Like literally new to professional mm-hmm. football people. If they made a more earnest effort this year to do the, like they did, you know, the same thing on in the draft, but then they also went out and spent three quarters of that eighty million dollars on another wide receiver and another offensive lineman to really, you know, move the chips into the middle of the table, kind of so to speak. And then they still ended up at six and ten. Then I would have some serious questions about whether or not this plan was being executed effectively. And then that's if the plan is, and to me, that is the sound plan. And we'll get to more of the, the details of that later of what we want them to do in the off season. But if they go out and they spend, um, you know, they get uh, the first round pick. I understand we're, we're thin at defensive tackle. I don't think you can take a first round defensive tackle. I, I understand that we're, you know, we're a little concerned maybe about, um, you know, who Lorenzo Alexander is, you know, what his role is going to be in the out in the out years. So we go out and spend, you know, $10 million a year to get some, you know, joker free agent who's going to replace him, you know, next year or something like those are the kind of moves where I don't know what your, your plan doesn't sound, seem sound to me. And then therefore I don't really care if you can execute it that well, because I don't think you've got the correct plan. And I don't think you're able to plan uh, you're able to take your vision of a young core and, and and tie that to a plan that actually gets you where you want to go. So I would need to see that's kind of how what I'm using for the metric of successes. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to be going third because I feel my answer falls really in between where your guys does. You know, I like Frank, I do want to see... A, a better record. I do think they need to show some tangible improvement there. And I, I would not be satisfied with a, another six and 10 team. We do need Allen to perform better, both because he's surrounded by a better talent and because he's developing. But to, to Scott's point, you know, we do need to see the plan evolving. We do need to see what this process is that we've heard so much about. Okay. So you fixed some of the run defense last year by signing Starlo to Laley. We see what you're doing in the secondary because your safeties fit your scheme so well. We got that. Okay. Now, what are you going to do to not just, you know, keep this defense from regressing, which I believe was Frank who noted earlier, the defense tends to be a year to year thing. How are you going to keep them progressing to the point where they're going to become an elite defense, you know, a, a t- a, and it's not going to be easy because one thing we, did not bring up is that the Bills were one of the healthiest teams of league last year in that they were struck by the injury bug less than most. So if they'd been injured more, that six and 10 record might not have even been attainable. So Mm -hmm. they've got to stay healthy again. They have to develop this defense to keep progressing. And of course the offense needs to improve by leaps and bounds. I did check after we were debating earlier who scored less in Buffalo is of course the Doug Marone led Jaguars uh, in addition to Arizona that scored less in Buffalo, but as bad as the Jaguars in Arizona were, they were what I consider 
I consider the Bills unacceptably low in the points that they scored last season. They need to put up a lot of, of points. There's there's no, I mean, how how many points did they score last year? I'll quickly check on on ESPN. But you look at the you look at the metrics that have been sent around the league. The teams like the Rams, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and who else was in a conference? The Saints. All four of yeah. those teams are teams that can score points. The Patriots had 436 last year. The Chiefs, 565. The Rams, three. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a Super Bowl. 527. And the Saints, 504. All the, the, the Patriots were the bad offense by virtue of scoring 436 points, which is about 167 points more than Buffalo did at 269. So Buffalo's not only got to break 300, they need to break 400, get some points on the board. We need to see Allen you know, develop and do all those things that we we talked about happening. And I feel if they do those things and the big caveat, stay healthy, they should at the very least next year, uh, to, to Frank's point, be in playoff contention. And then to Scott's point, we can see what the long-term scheme is with how they want to be successful on offense, how they want to be successful on defense. Yeah. Would you guys feel comfortable? I mean, it, let's say they, let's say they do well, it's hard to, to think about it, but like, if they did like show leaps and bounds, like they showed a big improvement in the offense, but the record wasn't any better. I guess you're necessarily saying that the defense somehow got much worse. So I guess I don't really want to start going into like, whether you'd be willing to do that trade off or not. Cause I think that that's too many variables. Right. They, they are losing Kyle Williams, which none of us have even brought up. And that's not exactly a small loss, both in terms of leadership and in terms of performance. He was still a well above average one tech, three technique, excuse me, defensive tackle by most, most metrics. So that's, you're not going to throw any, any old guy in there and, and, you know, not regress. Right. Um, let's do one more topic on this year versus last year, and then we'll do some quick news and notes and move forward to the future. Um, Josh Allen, uh, I will freely admit that this time last year on the confidence scale, I was probably a one out of 10 for him. I believe Frank, you are the one who during the draft preview episode said, uh, unless the bills, you know, believe every metric that's ever been used to analyze an NFL quarterback is wrong and draft Josh Allen. I believe it was, it was something along those lines. I think that was, but I agreed with you. I think Scott agreed with you too. I think that that was what everybody was saying. Like that's what every metric website was saying. And it wasn't, there were other people who were very much like, no, he's got all the classic, uh, talent of, you know, all the classic tools a quarterback can have. Um, so, you know, and they were able to pick quarterbacks before big metrics. I don't know. I will say that if I was a one out of 10 this time last year on Josh Allen, I'm a five out of 10 now, which is one, a big improvement. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm slighting him, but two, leaving a lot of room for still not sure on him yet, but you know, I would be willing to give him a a chance going. I'm very much willing to give him a chance going forward. I was excited by what I saw, certainly in the second half of the season. Um, I uh, am ready to entertain the idea of what it might be like to, for him to play with more talented players uh, and to see how that improves him. Paul, go for it. I mean, yeah. what do you, what are your, what's your Josh Allen take? I mean, I think this is. One, and we've we've both we've all addressed this already. There needs to be much 
we, we've talked about the receiving weapons. They need offensive linemen. They need receivers. And I, they need to have that happen or else it's going to be difficult for me or anyone to answer that question on, you know, what we need to see from him to improve because he's going to be in the same situation he was this year and running for his life half the time. So I'm going to make the big assumption that they make enough fixes to the line, the running game and the receivers that it at least provides him with a better environment in which to succeed than he has now. So that's conclusion I'm going to jump to in order to answer the question, which is we need to see, we need to see him win a game at some point with his arm this season. And we need JP Lossman was able to do that. You know, that, that is Ryan Fitzpatrick did that with some degree of regularity. We have not seen, we did not see Josh do that during the course of his rookie season. Some of that's his fault. Some of it's not. Some of it's Charles mm-hmm. Clay not catching a pass in Miami on what was one of the most beautiful closing drive. We would, we would be talking about that drive still from because they started what they're seven and mm-hmm. like three to four passes and less than 20 seconds of clock later, they were inside the Miami 40. It was just a thing of beauty. So you want to see that. You want to see him win a game with his arm. Two, there needs to be better consistency from Allen. I want to see fewer of those bad decisions where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it into traffic. This does not mean I do not want him to be bold still, to throw it deep downfield, to try some things, especially on third down. But when it's, you know, the last drive of the game against the Jets at home, a team you should beat, and it's a non-urgent down, like second and six or whatever it was, and you just throw it to one receiver who is being blanketed by two Jets, you know, that that costs you games. So he needs to have much better decision-making on a consistent basis. And as he does those things, what I expect to see is an offense that moves the ball, an offense that is a passing offense where he's thrown for 3,000, 3,500-ish yards even, let's say, because 3,000 is not a big deal anymore. So let's say 3,500 yards. We want to see him throw more touchdowns and interceptions than he didn't do uh, which he didn't do last year. And while I hesitate to use statistics as specific benchmarks, because so much goes into those, those should be reasonable objectives for him to achieve that I would really want to see out of him this year. So Alan, for me, um, I think, I think the biggest shift in where we thought, at least I thought he was going into last season is I don't think we saw the running which obviously is a is a nice dynamic element to his game that we didn't that adds something to any offense when you're able to add a, mm-hmm. a quarterback who's running. Um, other than that, there were a lot of the holes in the game that we had seen, you know that that were kind of a part of the pre-draft kind of scouting process. So, yeah, I like Frank's model of like the one to ten. So I think I was probably at at like a two or two and a half out of ten last year, and now I'm up to like a four and a half, maybe a five. So it's on my mythical scale. It's very precise. Um, so I think, I think that's obviously that's good, but yeah, I don't think that there's any guarantee that he's going to have the sophistication to run an NFL offense the way that doesn't get you beat by new England. Um, and that's, that's kind of the thing is new England can, pretty much pull anybody apart if all you're doing is running a couple kind of set plays or a couple easy reads a couple little um picks back and forth and and you know screw you know things off of screen passes and little adjustments and stuff they're gonna see through that pretty quick and a good defensive game planner will 
And I think, um, you know, maybe Belichick will retire and no one's able to replace him. That would be super. But until that happens, I think we have to assume that that's the standard. And that is not just Allen to do that. That's obviously Dable and the rest of the coaching staff having to come up with a plan that Allen can execute. But um, that is not, uh, I don't think I saw that from Allen last year. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for more of. I want to see more professional style offense. I want to be able to have him do more checks at the line that are to different pass plays rather than to just kind of check to run or check to a different run. Um, I want to be able to see him, um, make intelligent decisions about when to throw the ball away um, when he's not able to run. Um, I think he's getting, I think he had made progress over the course of the season. Obviously this is a tremendously important off season. So it'll be key to see how he, how it all kind of comes together, obviously. Okay. Uh, yes. That, and that I think is enough that of, of about what we should talk about from last year, because so much is going to depend on, um, I mean, after we do some free agency and some drafting, I think we will have many more. I think that might crystallize some of our opinions on, you know, what we make of McBean and what we make of this team. Because if if they suddenly start drafting defensive tackles in the first round, I, I, I imagine Scott, if not all of us, are going to have something to say about it. Um, so, Paul, we have some news and notes. And if I remember correctly, you said something along the lines of you keeping track of news and notes. So I will I invite you to run down briefly the news and notes for this team. All right. Let's see if I can stick to the actual human definition of briefly. <laughs> First thing that we want to uh, quickly mention, Charles Clay officially cut. Certainly not a surprise for any of us to see this. We'll anticipate this well in advance of him being a healthy scratch against the New England Patriots, the penultimate week of the season. Uh, as a recap, this adds, unfortunately, $4.5 million of dead money to the Bills cap, which puts them just a shade over $7.5 million, which is not ideal before the league year, but considering what we've had to deal with this past year, seems wonderful, and it also saves them $4.5 million in salary. <laughs> four and a half, it was worth the $4.50 to get rid of Charles Clay. That's a, that's a lunch at Potbelly, so you know. Yeah. Even if it's you get skinny, not if you get the full sandwich, right? That's true, but okay, never mind. Then we yeah, should have. So it's a side at Nando's, maybe. Right. I, I don't know. So that was news one. News two the Bills signed center offensive guard Spencer Long of the Jets back on February 12th. That was a three year deal. I won't go through everything regarding that deal. We'll just say it's 1.2 million guaranteed. He's likely going to earn 2.65 million if he can make the roster and stick on it all next season. We all pray to God, I think it's safe to say, that this is a depth signing, that he is nowhere near a starting lineup, unless, of course, all of his performance issues last year had to do with the broken finger, which, you know, some people are hoping for. But I just hope this is a backup if they can't get the guy they want in the free agency or the draft, he's on the roster. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. No, I mean, yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, it's, it's odd that a guy with this many starts was able to kind of um be this bad um because but he was with the jets is of course the caveat so yeah it, it will nobody and he was with the skins before that too and oh, he yeah. started started with the skins now not exactly the skins are certainly also not like the patriots in terms of you know quality players but at the same time like he has a number of starts so at least you've got that that is kind of what you want from the backup is at least he's able to understand how the offense works and is a professional so uh let's let's hope that's it and then as far as charles clay uh boy you know 
all the opportunities were there for him and he never was some of that, you know, obviously was the offenses and the the quarterbacks he was playing with it, but ultimately some of it was on him. He just never took advantage of a huge amount of opportunities for a huge amount of targets because we had no one else to catch balls the last two years. Yeah, this just in don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was good in Miami. Like that was the thing. Like he was a good yeah. player there. It was he, yeah. He, yeah. I can't I can't blame Whaley. I mean, you can blame him for the contract, but ultimately the market is what the market is. But uh, you know, I I don't think you could assume that like the tight end going into, you know, 26 or 27 is going to get suddenly a lot worse. I mean, he, yeah, I guess some of it too is like they never used him right yeah. in his early years and then by the time like by the end of the time he was definitely like one of the he like the out. not our guy, you know, he's yeah. not our guy, so I don't really care if he works out or not. Yeah. And you know, but it was a shame all around. And yeah. yep, we wish uh, we yeah, some of it was injury too, so he can't really be fully blamed on that yeah. regard. But boy, that was that was a mess. Didn't work out in any way. So sad, mm-hmm. sad face. The Bills re-signed defensive back Lafayette Pitts the same day they signed Spencer Long. Again, defensive backfield depth. Uh, you know, we may or may not be worth commenting on. And then the last signing, re-signing to mention is linebacker, but more importantly, special teamer. Dion Lacey was re-signed last week. He led the Bills in special team snaps in 2017 and 2018, and I could not have told you that. So (laughs) obviously this was a more important sign than I gave it credit for when it was made. So it'll be good to have him back on the roster. That leaves for free agents Groy, Mills, Miller, Jordan Phillips, and Logan Thomas, which we can talk more about later. But any thoughts on the Pitts and Lacey re-signings? Not particularly. Got to keep that special teams intact. Yes, yes. <laughs> now that bunch of game changers last year, especially yep. special teams might not be a thing in about a year. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, who knows what the kickoff will be at that point in time? Right. Uh, the last bit of news and notes want to mention is the Bills did replace their quarterbacks coach. They have hired former NFL QB Ken Dorsey to take on that role. So he did not come up in our discussion of Josh Allen's development, but uh, he's going to be a key figure in, in how that goes or in the coming months. Ken Dorsey, human quarterback. So that's a plus for him. National, national, uh, I believe national championship with the, the U back in the, uh, in the 2000, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like it's those, is it, is it Snickers commercials that are doing it now that are like, um, I'm definitely one of the tattoo artists in the town. <laughs> you know, don't worry, buddy. It's going to be okay. You're like, oh, just okay. I'm definitely one of the tattoo artists in town. <laughs> yeah, the doctor. Me. <laughs> How you feeling? Are you nervous? Yeah, me too. <laughs> don't worry. We'll work it out when we get in there. Right, Ken. Yeah, I, I don't know who. I, it's a great commercial. I, I think it's for Snickers. I'm not sure. They haven't done a good job because we remember the commercial. But I, right. So Ken Dorsey, definitely a person who played quarterback. So, yep. and here's an interesting fact: he uh, he was correct. Scott was correct. He did win a championship for the U. When he went to the Cleveland Browns, he was competing for their second string position behind Charlie Fry in 2006 with a gentleman named Derek Anderson. Oh yeah, hey, yeah, twelve twelve years. Now they're now they're back in the same room in a in a different Welcome way. Welcome back. It's like a reunion. He's like, yeah, yeah come, come be a Bills. He's like, you could just be a quarterback and get a concussion and I, then not have to play. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's it. Suit up, Ken. We need you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, okay. So the combine starts this week. Obviously, that's draft stuff. Um, Scott rightly pointed out there's not much to talk about it. 
until after it's happened. There actually won't be that much to say about it after until after it's happened, other than we know at Mr. So and So's hand size and you know there, there's barely much to say after the combine happens. Exactly right. Um, but free agency will happen before the draft, and the Bills are certainly in a cap position to to um, to spend some money here and get better. Um, lots of positions of need newly uh, opened up uh, opening at tight end that we just talked about. Obviously plenty of room at wide receiver and offensive line um, just to kind of name a handful of things. Um, do you, is it unthinkable that the bills wouldn't do a big free agent signing? And if so, where do you think they're going to go? I mean, I'm hopeful that they will sign since I don't have the the breadth of knowledge. I'll, I'll go first. Um, uh, Matt Pardee's sounds like a great uh, signing to me, the center from Denver. I think because I had heard that he had gotten, um, he was in a position where he was calling the offensive blocking schemes for the quarterbacks in Denver who were struggling. And that sounds like a nice thing for Josh Allen to not have to think about. And so if he's good and good at it, and can say, okay, this is what the blocking scheme is and relay that. And Allen only has to focus on what the, the passing dimensions or the handoff dimensions are, then that sounds like a nice thing for your young quarterback. Um, I'm also interested in what you guys think might be good. good I, also, I just prefer established linemen um, because I feel like that's one of those positions that takes time to learn in a way that not that wide receivers don't have to learn things or running backs don't have to learn things, but you can rely a lot more on your instinct and your talent. I believe at those positions to get some things done, if not all things. Um, but feel free to call me a moron, one of you, and just let, you know, let me have it. All right. I'll go, I'll go first here. Uh, Scott has of course posted a link, which I'll, uh, about free agency. So we'll use that as a guide if I don't zool because of opening it. But I want to note that former Rams general manager, Charles army agrees with Frank uh, on this point, specifically on, on center an article in the athletic last month when he was being asked about the free agency situation generally, and specifically with regards to the, the bills, he said, I would address the line through free agency. If it's available at tackle and center. The lack of a center, and this goes to where Matt Paredes, Pardis, Paredes, we will know how to pronounce his name if he signs with the Bills, and if he doesn't, mm -hmm. screw him, we're never going to learn to pronounce it. Um, the lack of center will hold your team back. I would get guards in the draft. You can get by with developing guards on the, wrong, on the run as long as you get athletic guys. It's hard to develop center and tackles on the run. So we hope that the Bills get a top-of-the-line center, and, you know, because that's more affordable, and then try and get a very solid tackle if you know, again, there's not too much going on for agency as I browse this list that Scott sent. So, you know, might be, you know, difficult to do so, but can you at least get someone who can fit in on the right side and hope Dawkins continues developing on the left for what it's worth in the same article in the athletic Brandon Bean it emphasized that the O line that practices the fundamentals and gels well will be the one that succeeds. So they're obviously looking to try and get the starting five for the foreseeable future on the team this year. Uh, so, you know, it, I think that's the biggest place to build on receiver. They did sign CFL star Duke Williams a month or so ago. Maybe he's a, a, a what's a dark horse kid. That's a dark horse candidate who can really step up and help. You can't really depend on that, but we'll see. They And, you know, because when you look at the, the free agent list here, you know, no one really on the offensive side of the ball, except for Le'Veon Bell, 
who would really help the Bills, and whether or not he can help the Bills is debatable. So, good good luck in the draft on offense because you know you're gonna you're gonna need it because the, the defense seems to be where the development players are at. And I'll leave defense and anything else for Scott. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly Paul's correct. There's really not that much that you're gonna find on free agency. Certainly at wide receiver, you know, I wouldn't mind them taking a run at Daryl Williams, who's a little bit further down on our kind of top 100 list. Uh, NFL or excuse me, Tyrell Williams has him at number 43 on their list of free agency as a good good player in San Diego prior to them bringing in uh, Mike Williams in the draft last year, and then obviously having Keenan Allen. Um, but you know good guy with some speed and some size um you know i don't know if he's a, a pure number one guy but i'm also fairly sure it's going to be difficult to get a pure number one guy in the draft this year um and again so i would rather i'd rather take a shot in free agency at a guy who's been in the league and can be a professional at least um rather than taking a random shot at a guy um because we that's how i mean we hopefully you know foster can 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 keep keep it together um, and and continue to give us good quality play next year and be a good solid wide receiver rotation guy. But I, it's I think we're we're really still in a lot of need there. We need at least one solid player. So that's why I'm I'm thinking you know free agency there is okay. But I agree in general with you guys that you know offense interior offensive line is something that you'd go for. I I think you can get you can pay money for guards. Obviously we, it worked out with incognito for a little while. Um, and it's worked out with other teams in the past too. Um, you know, you, there's plenty of uh, between Paredes and, uh, you know, Mitch Morse, uh, a couple other guys that were poking around on this list. Roger Saffold, who is on, I think the Rams, um, having, you know, guys who have starts in these leagues, guys who have made pro bowls, those guys are going to be available. Yes. You're going to have to kind of overpay a little bit because it's free agency. Um, and normally you don't want to overpay for guards, but I think this is where you do have to make that investment because again, as you guys have said, you want these guys to get together. You have to keep Allen upright. Um, if you want to make a run at one of these tackles who's on this list, Daryl Williams, um, you know, a guy who's in Denver uh, and then didn't really um, got injured last year, but before that had some kind of all pro caliber uh, seasons, then I, I think that's reasonable, but I, I guess um, it's certainly the coverage bear in terms of defense. Um, there's really not that much. There's, I mean, there's plenty of defensive tackles who are out there. It's just a question of, how much do you want to spend there versus what your value is in the draft? I think you're still going to get good defensive tackles in your second and third round there. Um, so I'm fine waiting there. But if you want to get somebody like uh, I saw Malcolm Brown, who's, you know, the guy who's a, who's kind of a rotation defensive tackle for the Patriots. Um, that's certainly somebody who can, um, who could probably help um, Marcus Hunt, who is on the Colts. Um, another guy who probably has some talent that we could, we could kind of plug in there. So I think there's, there's, there's plenty of, of guys available in free agency. I do think it's worth it to invest a little on both offense and defense in free agency. And I think the lines is the best way to do it. So there you go. Bill's preview of free agency. Um, it'd be more fun to talk about it when they actually are in it and, there are rumors or actual signings. Um, but 15 days away, gentlemen. Those rumors should start now because, I mean, yeah. what was clear last year, there was that article written by an agent or somebody who was like, yeah, pretty much the deal gets done at the combine, if not sooner. And we just don't talk about it. Like you, people are doing deals, even though they're not allowed to do deals right now. So, um, 
but we'll, we'll be there in, in, uh, you know, two weeks and we'll hopefully have some good stuff to talk about. Um, why don't we do this date and Bill's headlines to the extent that there are any, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and then we'll get out of here because it's, it's been an hour. We've, we've, we've talked quite a bit and it's been a good show, but it's all right. We'll try and keep these two a minute each or less on, on these. So here we go. 2018, February 26, 2018. Blank a Bronco, blank a Giant. CBS Sports includes both Bills moves in bold 2018 predictions. CBS Sports analyst Jason Lockenfora predict Lockenfora, I have pronounced, yeah, Lockenfora predicts mm -hmm. the Bills will move on from blank by trading him to the Denver Broncos for a fifth round pick. So basically, mm -hmm. They're speculating that this one player will go to a Bronco and this one player will go to a Giant. Can you name me to the Giants? Can you name either player? I know. I remember the the, the Denver one. Be Tyrod, probably. Yeah, that'd be Tyrod to the Broncos. And who do they think was going to be a Giant? He is not a Giant, by the way. But he's not a Bill either, and he was traded. Cordy. Cordy Glenn. Glenn. So mm. Lock and Fora, it's good for him on sense in the trades, even if he got the destinations wrong. 2017, wide receiver blank factoring QB decision into whether he wants to stick with Bills. He says, everything factors in. in. It has to be the right amount of money to stay in Buffalo as well as QB decision. Yes, they don't have a quarterback right now. Tyra is a pending free agent. EJ Manuel is coming up as a free agent. And there also are many quarterbacks on the market. Hmm. Uh, so this was two Rob? years ago. Robert Woods, yes. Hey. All right. He found his quarterback, not in Buffalo. All right. Not in Buffalo. 2016. This I'll give you some, some hints on. At QB, dual threat blank is the wild card option for Bills. When asked if he'd want a QB with similar skill set as Tyrod Taylor's as number two, Doug Willie said that Greg Roman and his offense can be adaptable to any skill set of a quarterback. Blank would be a the running threat, at least athletically, that fits this offense. The, think, do you ahead. have it? I was I say, it, is this Joe Webb? That's a good guess, but we're going to get it's Actually, this is why I need the hints, because it's going to mm. be someone who wasn't in the NFL at this point. Mm. It's a guy that the Bills was available in the draft. The Bills didn't draft him. He mm. went in round four, pick 135. And in his first three seasons, he's made two Pro Bowls and one AP NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Tom Brady. Oh, no. Only um, who are 2016 rookie. Right. Uh, fourth round, huh? Yep, so you're looking for a mobile quarterback, fourth-round pick, two Pro Bowls, AP NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Man, I, I feel like I, this should just jump right out at me. Yeah, that would be fairly obvious. Uh, <laughs> here we are. Not a uh, team the Bills have played since since he was drafted, so that might be one reason he's not top so of mind. Probably an NFC team. Mm -hmm. mm. Carson Wentz? No, he was like in the first round. He was the first rounder, right. He yeah. was like the first pick, so. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, didn't he cost uh, he cost the longtime starter job, which is a good thing because then that starter retired and is now just a, a phenomenal announcer. Oh, so this has got to be uh, Dak Prescott. Prescott. Yep. Yeah, because you know why? Because he fell off, and it it wasn't like like definitely he had that terrible like that terrible year in between his two good years. Yeah. And so like it was like, well, is he like is it fake or is it all Ezekiel Elliott? Okay, that's why I couldn't think of him. All right. That's all right. All right, 2013. This one will probably be more up Scott's alley, though Frank's got a chance. Uh, blank meets with Bills. It really shouldn't come as a... Yeah. Good luck, Scott. That's all. All the hits you get. Oh, well, of course. It was... Uh, uh, it was... Uh, it was uh, 
it's Here's multiple the, right answers, right? Josiah Bartlett. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be right. Uh, it really shouldn't come to surprise knowing Bill's DM buddy Nix has said that he wanted to meet face-to-face with the top prospects at the QB position this year. But USC QB blank did have a formal interview with Buffalo at the NFL Combine. Uh, USC quarterback, 2013. 2013. So this would have been before Kessler. Before Darnold, um, and who would it have been? Oh, oh, um, oh, shh, Nikes. Um, I'm tapping my foot because it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get it in the time allotted. All right, I can give you the current team. He plays for the Buffalo Bills. Wait, what? Yes, this guy does play for the Bills now. <laughs> oh, uh, Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Took him a while to get there, from, He's... As, as it did Scott on the answer. So. I had faith. I had faith. That is awful. Okay. <laughs> All right, 2011, BuffaloBills.com interview with blank NFL's first player of full Chinese descent. Ed Wang. Ed Wang. Oh, yeah. Frank, right on that one. Uh this is a terrible headline, so I'll just read the, it's like blank tackle impact undeniable, which is nonsense. So the uh, the context is with the retirement of tackle blank, that puts us in a position of need, maybe even more so than we were, said new Bills coach Chan Gailey. So this was a Bills 2006 fifth round pick, and he retired after four years to pursue a career in politics as a conservative, which has thankfully never emerged. He did work for Jack Kemp at Kemp Partners. Hmm. I was going to yeah, Jack Kemp's the only one I could think of. Um, uh, what year was this? 2010. So this was nine oh, years ago. This guy retired after four. Remember this. Yeah. And he ran for office. I think we talked about this. Did, yeah. Not a memorable yeah. name. So I won't give you guys too long to guess, but it was, I, I remember the retirement too and think, well, this screws the tackle and, and it did. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, remember the correct answer is brad butler, brad, oh, brad I, butler. I didn't remember that it, it did ring a bell though yeah okay all right 2009 bills cut former free agent prize blank he was one of the key prizes in free agent class of 2007 leaving washington for buffalo his seven-year 49 million dollar deal was the highest salary for a guard at the time mm. Is this Derek Dockery? Derek Dockery. Yeah. What was hilarious about this is it continued. He'll still count $5.4 million against the Bills' cap this year, but that's less than they would have counted if he'd stayed on the roster, which is $5.85 million. They literally wanted to save $485,000 and eat $5.4 million just to get him off the roster. Wow. Who was the other one there? They Langston signed- Walker. Langston Walker, right? I was going to say, they signed two yep. terrible, which, you know, like not to be Cassandra here, but... That could happen this year. They could sign two huge yep. guard deals and be like. <laughs> and that was worse because that pushed the franchise left tackle off the roster because both those contracts right. pissed off Jason Peters and then they ended up trading him. Oh, mm-hmm. Terrible. All right. 2004. Should the Bills sign blank so he can retire as a Buffalo Bill? It says off the field, he was far from perfect. He did a share of whining at contract time and certainly anger to share of sports writers. But nobody meant more to the Bills defense in their heyday. Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. You guys are doing well today. 
It's like you guys know we want to actually end this segment in a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> no, I just right. was trying to think of like, you know, like, yeah, he had spent so many years like chasing the sack number yeah. on different teams that 2004, that's amazing. He was still playing. Yeah. Or, Derek Dockery. Derek, yeah. <laughs> uh, two Scott has a lag. Yeah. There's <laughs> a delay. Yeah. Right. Two minute delay. All right, 2002, though this is telling a story about an older uh, event. 2002, from Buffalo Bill safety to Superman. It says, Blank was a rookie free agent out of Princeton in 1988. He chose. I know, I know this one already. Go ahead. All right. He chose to try out for the Bills because Mark Kelso had head injuries the year previous year and knew that with Marv Levy's system, he would get a chance to play in the preseason and prove himself. Unfortunately, an old knee injury forced him to have surgery before his first preseason game, but Marv Levy told him to return next year, but his injury turned out worse than expected, and the knee never completely healed, and he had to retire. Uh, George, yeah. George Reeves. Yes. <laughs> George Reeves. Yes. George, George 20, Reeves. 20, 30 George years Reeves. after. <laughs> 20 to 30 years after his death in 2002. Uh, no, this was Dean Kane from Dean The Adventures of Lois and Clark. Yeah, with yep. Terry Hatcher. Yep. Yeah, no, I am well versed in. Um, there was no way I was not going to know somebody who was both Superman and a Buffalo Bill. Yep. So well done, Marv Levy once said. Hey, people said we had a super team. We we're so good, we cut Superman. Right. All right, <laughs> 1999, blank, close to extension. Bloomberg News is reporting that Blank's agent Jack Mula is saying his client is close to sign a two. Timeout. Timeout. Jack, the agent's Jack name Mula. is Jack Mula. Jack Mula. I'm not making that up. It's M-U-L-A. I wish it were M-O-O-L-A-H. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But you know, that's I didn't even get make that connection. So I wonder if he's still around. That'll be a question for next pod. Steve Dollar Signs. <laughs> uh, he eventually fired Jack Mula for Mikey Fatstacks. Right. Okay. Uh, saying his client is close to signing a two-year contract extension with the Bills that will lock him up to the 2001 season and should free up a million in salary cap room. Very key mm. player in 99, uh, but lost his starting job controversially and was off the team after the 2000 season. Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, the master of the drop kick. All right. I feel like half the ones from 1999 are Doug Flutie. I feel yeah, like that's, that's he's, he's he was the guy, he was the team in 1999. It's a tough era because it's either when I'm doing from that time, it's like names you won't recognize or Doug Flutie. Right. So <laughs> Marcellus right. Wiley, Doug Flutie, yeah. or that's it. I, I tried Dusty Ziegler once and that didn't work out well. All right. right. 1996, two to go. Buffalo Bills re-signed blank defensive end to a three-year contract. Defensive end, 1996. It won't be Bruce again. It won't be Bruce again. I would not um, double up. It won't be Bruce again. Um, <laughs> hmm. I don't know. He is a fellow Wall of Famer, though probably doesn't deserve that honor, but he's got it. Really? And I'm blanking on him. Super Bowl era defensive end. I remember he retired after the 2001 season. I'm going to feel bad now. So it was Smith. And all I can, for some reason, all I can think of is linebackers. Patrick. I'm going, I'm going Conlin, Tally, Bennett, Smith. <laughs> You're working your way through the front seven. I am. And, I, and I'm blanking on the nose tackle and the other defensive end. <laughs> Oh, you guys might kick yourself, but the oh, time is up. It is 
Phil Hansen. Oh, Phil, Phil Hansen. You know what? Phil Hansen. Oh, I definitely better. actually do remember him, and I feel Phil. bad because he was good. Yep. He wore number 90, right? Nine zero. Yeah, number 90, Phil Hansen. See, because I always thought you could do a jersey that had one, two for Kelly, three, four for Thomas, five, six for Tally, seven, eight for Smith, and nine, zero for Hansen. And I felt like, you know, Hansen and Tally are kind of the low men on the totem pole there, but it works. That's that's something like a true number file would notice. So that, yes. that, is, that is well done. All right. Last one, gentlemen, 1994. You got to go back 25 years when it's the offseason to get 10 of these. Seahawks signed blank. Two-time Pro Bowl cornerback blank left the Buffalo Bills and signed a four-year $8.4 million contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Said, I wanted to get it done and signed with a good team. The seven-year veteran has played his entire career with the Bills and appeared in the last four Super Bowls. Intercepted a career high nine passes in 1993. He had 360 tackles, 26 interceptions, nine forced fumbles, and eight recovered fumbles for his Bills career. See, it's funny because I remember that House Ballard also went to the Seahawks at about the same time. Yep, same, same year, at the same okay. time that, that Mitch Farratt went to the Seahawks and another cornerback from the Bills, whose name I won't say because you might guess him, also went to the Seahawks. It was all within this one to two year span. The Seahawks just kept signing Bills, Bills guys they couldn't afford anymore. One of the best cornerbacks there. I don't know if he he might be. I would have to take a look at the Bills' 50th anniversary team, but I think he's on it. Um, Lightning McQueen. Stop it. <laughs> he was he was on ice the other night. Oh, Amazingly. damn it. I knew he was in my brain. <laughs> oh, I can think of Mark Kelso as a safety, and I can think of oh god, so mad because I I know this, I know I know this name, and it's just not coming to me. Come on, give me give me one more second here. Sure. Um, was it Nate Odoms? It was Nate Odoms. Yes, nicely oh. done. Cornerback, member of the Bills' 50th anniversary team, along with cornerback oh. Butch Bird on the other side. So I kept thinking nasty Nate Clements, and I was like, it's not Nate Clements. There was another Nate, and it was Nate Odoms. Who are the other corners? Do you, who was the other corner? Kirby Jackson was the other one who went Kirby side. Jackson, right. And, and he actually hurt himself before he ever got to Seattle, never played with them. So, yeah, Kirby, okay. and, Kirby and Nate both left within a year of each other to go to Seattle. And Nate, unfortunately, suffered a lot of injuries, too. He only ended up playing a handful of games with Seattle mm. over a course of a, a few years. And that was that was it for, for his career. And then he went to the Seahawks in 96 and didn't do anything. But, yep, so that was this day in Bill's headlines, February 26th. And that's it for the show. I'm going to wrap. Thank you again, uh, Paul, for putting that together. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you, Scott, for your, your contributions mm -hmm. as well. Um, but it's time Derek to wrap Dockery. up. Sorry. Derek Dockery. Right? <laughs> um, if you'd like to say Derek Dockery for no reason, you can do so on Twitter. And you can tweet us at bbillsmny or go to facebook.com slash bbillsmny that's b-b-i-l-l-s-m-n-y um you can also go bbillsmny at gmail.com bbillsmny on anchor you can google us buffalo bills maybe next year podcast you'll find us you can share us you can do all the things you do we'll be back in a few weeks probably after free i would think after free agency started and hopefully mm -hmm. settle down a bit Just more our season but, finale by the way or do we do one more no we usually go to the draft we usually okay. go to the draft and then the, the new season I feel like starts. we also called the end of the season last time too just to be clear yeah we did 
Yeah. Right. I just I just like to interrupt the end of the podcast, stretch it out as long as I can. Yeah, no, so, it's it's fine. My mission is done. Yeah. Everybody was hoping this podcast would, would go another 36 seconds. So it's you you're just doing a service. It's really my fault. I apologize. <laughs> you're all you're both terrible and you're all fired. <laughs> I'm not speaking to you for the rest of the night. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.